Warning, this show may contain adult language that is not suitable for all audiences. This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. This is the TSN MMA Show interview edition, and as I am each week, I'm joined by some of the great athletes on the UFC roster and beyond. This week, we're going to stick it with just this week's event. We've got three fantastic combatants that will be competing on this weekend's UFC Fight Night card, headlined by Augusto Sakai taking on Jairzinho Rosenstrike. We'll start with the lone Canadian on the card. We've got Tanner Bozner joining us. Tanner, of course, coming off of a, a loss, unfortunately, at the hands of Andre Arlovsky. And now he's getting another seasoned veteran in Elvira Latifi. Uh, big bounce back spot, potentially, for Tanner Bozer. He will join us, as will Miguel Baeza. Miguel Baeza taking on Santiago Ponzinibbio. This could be a massive step forward for him. The UFC have been looking for a, a star that is going to represent Puerto Rico for some time. And uh, now they potentially have Miguel Baeza out of Florida, who will be, uh, as I mentioned, taking on a really tough opponent in Ponzinibbio, who I think should be ranked right now. I mean, the only reason he wasn't ranked is because he uh, had a, a pretty long layoff due to injuries, ended up coming back, lost to Li Jinglang, and as a result, they did not rank him. Uh, and thus, he is uh, outside of the top 15 for the first time in a long time. So he will uh, be taking on Miguel Baeza, looking to reclaim a ranking while Baeza tries to enter the rankings himself. And finally, we will be joined by Walt Harris, who will be taking on Marcin Tybura. Walt has moved out to Las Vegas, training under the tutelage of the great Eric Nixick from Extreme Couture. So we'll hear from Walt. He'll be discussing that move to Las Vegas, some of the, uh, the heavy hitters he's met down in Las Vegas and spent some time with, and what the future holds for the big ticket. And that starts right now as we're joined by Tanner Bozer on the TSN MMA Show. I'm now joined by Tanner Bozer, who is going to be facing Alir Latifi this Saturday at UFC Fight. Now, you were apparently supposed to face a training partner of his. What ended up happening with that fight? Uh, as far as I know, Gustafson is going back to 205, and UFC didn't know that when they offered him the fight, and that's why that fight's not happening, as far as I know. Well, your previous fight against Andre Arlovsky was a close fight, and it seems like with names like Latifi and Gustafson that they're still offering you some pretty big-name opponents. Was that a relief to you? Um, it doesn't matter to me either way if my opponent, you know, is a, is a big name guy or is not a big name guy. Uh, my job is to just try and beat whoever it is with TP. Yeah. He's got a name. He's been around a long time and it is a big fight. So, so be it. In the last fight, it seemed like it was just a matter of impact that, that cost you that fight. You were landing more volume and it seemed like in the appearance, at least of the judges, he was landing the harder shots. What would you change now? knowing that the scorecards would go his way, even though you landed a lot more strikes. Yeah. Um, I watched the fight, and some of the punches did look hard, and I actually think it's because when I got hit, my hair looked like my head was exploding because my hair was so long in that fight. That didn't help me. He did land some hard punches, of course, but, yeah, obviously it was the difference. Like, one or two punches either way was the difference of that fight, and, of course, if I could change it, I would just not get hit with a good-looking punch at the end of a round or land one more myself because that's unfortunately what it came down to. So in the end, I didn't do enough. That's the old Diego Sanchez strategy. I remember when he fought Ross Pearson. Ross was landing so many more strikes. But in the last 10 seconds, Diego would come with a flurry and he ends up winning on the judges' scorecards. Uh, what, what ended up uh, happening with your hair? Do you still have it? Did you, did you cut it down a little bit? 
No, it's, I don't know if you can see it because I'm holding my camera right now on my phone, but I trimmed it. I got it trimmed a little bit, but it's still there, you know, don't worry. So that, that was strategic though. You don't want it to look like it's, it's going flying when you get hit. Yeah, I believe, uh, I believe having long hair is a detriment because the judges seem to, seem to uh, see your hair blow everywhere when you get hit and it looks like more of a significant strike. Wow, it's a strategic haircut. I like that. Did you do it yourself, or, or is it open up in the province right now? Are you allowed to get haircuts in Alberta? Uh, no, it's currently illegal. I don't know. Maybe it opened up today. Some things opened up today. Patios did, I think. But I actually don't know if today it's legal or illegal, but it was definitely illegal for the last couple weeks. All right, well, I guess... I got it really before that. I got it legally cut the last <laughs> day I could. All right, well, there you go. I'm glad you're doing things above board. Uh, so I imagine, though, for this training camp, there's all, always all kinds of complications because uh, it seems like, at least in Alberta, the letter of the law is changing on a consistent basis. Yeah, it is. It changes uh, constantly uh, whether or not we can go into gyms at all, whether or not we can uh, train with a coach or be six feet away or have one-on-one -on -one personal training. It's, uh, it changes constantly. It's a complete and utter shit show and i just deal with that on a you know a day-to-day week-to-week basis do you think that had an impact on kb's camp i know kb unfortunately fell short in his last uh, fight I, I know he wouldn't want to make excuses but do you think that that he was unable to prepare in the way that he would have you know in a normal circumstance i'm not sure you'd have to ask kb have you been have you spoken to, to kb at all since uh, since this fight did uh, did you go over any you know maybe look at the the tape with him and see what could, could have been done better um, I have spoken to KB. I haven't gone over because that's currently illegal. And I think he's just getting off quarantine this week, maybe, or, ne or la no, I guess he would have got off quarantine on Saturday or something, but I left Monday. Um, I, I haven't spoken to him in depth about the fight. What's your assessment of it? What, what do you think he could have done differently? I mean, the fight didn't go his way. Like, it doesn't matter what my assessment of it is kb is going to get back in the gym train hard going to fight someone else obviously not in the ufc and he's gonna get back on track what do you think is your biggest advantage uh, against the latifi when you when you look at his game and, and what you bring to the table where do you think you're gonna have your most success hmm. mobility maybe cardio uh he's not slow he's explosive and very powerful and and his, his explosiveness allows him to also be fast. He is fast, uh, make no mistake. Yeah, it, it should be a good fight. I believe I'll be uh, competitive everywhere, but um, I believe my, uh, my output could be the difference. Now, I know you say it's not for you to assess KB's performance. What about the performance of the Edmonton Oilers? Are you an Oilers fan? Do you have an assessment of their performance in the first round? Um, I cheer for the Oilers because I'm from Edmonton, yeah. And I am not a hockey player, so it would be extremely hypocritical of me to assess the performance of a professional athlete uh, in a sport that truly, at a fundamental level, I don't know anything about. Just like when, you know, idiots tell me how I should fight different. I don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear what I got to say. Hopefully they do better next year. Well, fair enough. That's, I, I think that's as, as good an assessment as you can give. But I, I'm going to ask you another Edmonton sports question. The Edmonton Eskimos changed their name to the Edmonton Elks today. Uh, do you, do you it, like the new name and do you like the new logo? Uh, is the logo the same? Isn't it just E? Isn't it the same? 
I think it's an Elkhorns, no. if I'm not mistaken. I, I didn't, you know, I, I'm covering MMA, so I'm, I'm seeing these things as they happen on social media. I'm not giving a, a great assessment. Edmonton's not my city, so, uh, but I think it's like Elkhorns, if I'm not mistaken. I didn't see it. Um, I, I don't care. <laughs> I, I really, I really don't care. I mean, they kept it EE, right? That way they don't have to change a ton. I, yeah, it's fine. I don't know. There are elk in all uh, the outskirts of it, I guess. But I mean, I don't care. It's fine. <laughs> that was going to be my next question. I think you hunt, if I'm not mistaken. I was going to ask what the elk population is like in uh, Alberta. Um, I, I'm very new to hunting, so I can't claim to be an expert at all. But um, I mean, we have Elk Island National Park. I don't actually think there are elk there, but I could be wrong. I mean, clearly, there must have been. Maybe there is. If there are, you can't hunt them. It's in a national park. Uh, I don't, I don't know. There's, there are elk on the outskirts of Alberta, at least. And there, there's some in farms. All right. Well, I'm, I'm glad I can get that kind of insight from you, uh, given that I, I have no uh, knowledge of, of the elk population in, in Alberta. Um, so, with, again, with Latifi, um, do, you, do you think that his strategy is going to be to try to take you down? It seems like that's where, in the heavyweight division, at least where he's had uh, a good amount of success. I'm sure that will be part of it. Yeah, I think it would be uh, stupid of him not to try it. I expect him to, of course. Yeah, he's a very good wrestler. He's a good grappler and he's extremely strong. So that would be intelligent of him. I know, I know you're probably not looking beyond this particular fight, but in a perfect world, how many times would you like to compete this, this year? And are, are there anybody uh, that's competing in the, heaven, uh, sorry, in the heavyweight division rather that you have your eye on, perhaps you think would be a good matchup for you? Uh, you're right. It is. It is. Um, I'm not looking past him at all. He's a very hard fight. I would like to fight three times this year. I have to win this one. Uh, I have to win my next one. I can't. I can't postulate who I should be fighting after this. It all depends on my performance. So I'm not going to go out and start calling out guys way above me. I'm not going to start calling guys that maybe are ranked below. I got to fight Hilary Latifi, and after that. We'll see. But I would like to fight, ideally, uh, two more times after this this year, if it works. This is a division where if you do win this fight, and then if you do fight two more times this year and get those wins, you could realistically be in the top six, top seven of the division. Do you like being in, in this particular division for that reason? It seems like it's pretty wide open, aside from maybe the top you know, three or four guys. Yeah, what a massive if, though, right? If you win yeah, it is a big fights... If be ranked in the top 10 of course i could i could i could win three fights by awesome knockout and i could be everything could just go perfect man my life could be absolutely just crushing it or i could not do as good in a fight or two and all of a sudden i'm on the chopping block man so it's 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 there's a constant series of forks in the road and if you're realistic with yourself you believe you can do the, the best thing you can you can aim for that, but you have to see how it goes. So yeah, I am in a division where a couple wins could put me in the top fifteen, but I'm not gonna come out and say I'm gunning for that or or you know or start having delusions of grandeur where I think I'm gonna smoke the next three guys. Again, I got Iller Latifi in front of me, so thinking about being position seven or eight in the world is not um, it's just not where. I'm at in terms of possibilities right now. I have a job to do on Saturday, and that's what I have to do. This is going to be my final question, but having been in the position um, of moving up and down the ladder in the heavyweight division, 
Do you feel it after each fight? Like, do you do you feel like you can see that your stock is going up or down based on how people are uh, communicating with you, who's calling your manager, etc.? Like, as a fighter, are you focused on just the next fight, or do you can you sense what your standing is in the division and how people are looking at you based on any sort of external factors? You're only as good as your last fight. That old adage, it's true. If that's that's how it is. I need to win now. I lost my last one and, you know, that that's it. You, you know, it doesn't matter. I had two good knockouts before, lost my last one in a close fight. That was kind of boring. So guess what? I better fucking win now. Yeah, time to put, the, time to put your foot on the pedal. I guess that's probably what your, what your approach would be going into this one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> got to go for it. All right, Tanner. Always love uh, speaking with you. Best of luck this weekend and uh, thanks again for your time. Hey, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Take care. It could be a coronation this weekend for the next big Puerto Rican star in the UFC when uh, Miguel Baeza takes on Santiago Ponzinibbio. But I I'm a research hound. I like to do a bunch of research on my guests. And I looked everywhere for content about you that predated your UFC career. I couldn't find much. So I want, I want to know about you, Miguel Baeza. Tell me about your upbringing, how you got into the sport. Uh, I know it's a loaded question, but I'd love to hear it. All right, so where do you want me to begin? My uh, my childhood? Like, where, how far you want to go back? <laughs> the moment you started uh, practicing uh, martial arts. All right, well, uh, I'll, I'll go a little bit further back just to get, uh, give it a little bit of a background story. Um, I always wanted to be a boxer. My uncle was an amateur boxer back in Puerto Rico, and uh, he always kind of uh, pushed us to box, and I loved it. You know, we were watch uh, uh, Tito Trinidad fight, you know, like when he came up, and uh, he was like a, he was a big name at the time. And uh, yeah, I was always in a fighting. Uh, then I was 12 years old and I saw the first Ultimate Fighter. That's the first season Ultimate Fighter with Forrest Griffin, and, you know, and uh, yeah, Stefan Bonner. That right there, when I saw that, that's when I knew I wanted to fight. I was like, oh man, I want to do that. I just kind of like, that's, uh, let's try, let's find out how I can get into that. And um, I didn't step into my first gym though until I was 15. And that was uh, down in South Florida. And uh, that's how it all got started for me there. So was it MMA Masters that you that you went to in the first place? No, so I, I'm actually here with my uh, my original one of my first coaches ever. His name is Sergey, and it was at Freestyle Fighting Academy down in South Florida. They had just opened up uh, right across the street from uh, where I grew up, like uh, at a trailer park right across the street. There was a, a plaza, and they had opened up uh, this uh, this gym. And I was trying to look for a gym to go to for a while, but everything was kind of far. Like uh, I think Coconut Creek was the closest one that was ATT, but that was like a good 45 minutes away from me, and I'm 15 years old. So my parents were like, I'm not dropping you off. You're not going out that far. There's no way. And uh, just, you know, just the, it, Destiny had it where uh, FFA opened up literally walking distance from my house. And I was like, all right, I'm in. That's it. I'm going to just join. I'm going to join that gym. And then uh, that's how it all started for me there. I started training and I was 15. And then uh, I did some amateur kickboxing fights and then went pro at 21. Did amateur fights between and in between that time of 18 and 21. So where in Florida were, uh, were you raised? Uh, Davie, Florida. So Shout the out to Davie. Oh, yeah. You know that the swap shop? Yeah, I used to go to the circus when I was a kid. The swap shop had the circus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's a little, I'm a little more west, but yeah. Yeah, you know what? Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm legit. I, I know what I'm talking about here. But yeah, there I you up, go. I right, grew up Canada's going in the winters. Shop, man. <laughs> I'm based in Canada, and in the winters, we'd go to Florida. My grandparents had a place in Lauderdale Lakes, and we'd go to the swap shop. Yep. There you go. Yeah, I'm a little more west. 
All right. Well, well, now, now I feel like we, uh, we have a bit of a kinship here. So uh, there you go. Yeah. No. When you said that, I'm like, oh man, he's really from that area. <laughs> <laughs> so, so how quickly did you, uh, did you realize that you were really good at it? I mean, at 15, it can go really either way. Um, I was gonna do it either way, but to be honest, um, I think my first week I caught one of the coaches in a triangle choke. You know, he didn't really expect me to. Um, he didn't really expect me to uh, know how to finish it, so he kind of he let me throw it on. You know, I mean, not say I caught him, but he, we were kind of rolling, and he let me throw it on, and he was like, "Oh, I'm gonna get out of this," but I kind of closed it up pretty quickly, and uh, he's like, "Oh, he was surprised," and he just kind of gave me a quick tap. He's like, "Oh, you kind of know what you're doing," and I was like, "Well, I've been, you know, watching the sports since I was 12." And I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos, just trying to get you know good at it on my own. And then I, after that, it just kind of they those coaches kind of helped me get better, and I just you know wanted to stick with it ever since then. And when did you have your first uh, either amateur or professional fight? My first amateur kickboxing fight was uh, I was 15, I think, or well, just a few months after I started training, like uh, four or five months after, I would say maybe six months, less than six months, less than six months. And how did that? And go? I had my first one. I won. It was a it was an eye opener, though. I'll be honest. Like uh, that uh, that you know, there's nothing like your first fight. You got your adrenaline pumping, and you know, you've never really been to a, a real fight. You know, a real fight until then. And to have somebody who's skilled and trying to come at you, just as you know, you're coming at them. You know, I remember how tired I was. I know I'll never forget it. You know, like and I tell everybody who uh, who's gonna take their first fight ever. You just this is gonna be the most tired you'll ever be in your life. You know, this is something that uh. It'll, it'll quickly tell you whether or not you want to keep doing this, you know? And uh, after that fight, I just realized that I got I to gotta work on my cardio. I got <laughs> to get ready for the next one, you know? So the, uh, the Contender Series uh, spot came pretty quickly. I mean, it, you, were, you were, what, six or seven fights into your career. Uh, how did you find out yes, about sir. that opportunity? So I'd, uh, I'd gone 6-0, uh, and, oh, and um, I just made the move to MMA Masters maybe like a year prior. And... Um, they had kind of reached the coaches kind of reached out to me and, uh, and asked me, you know, hey, would you want to do the contender series? And I told them, look, if you guys can give me an opportunity in the contender series, I'll take it for sure. But I didn't really hold my breath. You know, like uh, I had been trying to get fights down here in South Florida, down there in South Florida for a long time. And things always tend to happen. Like uh, somebody would pull out uh, last second or the promotion. I don't know. I think this happened to me twice where a promotion just went under completely. And uh, they just let the fighters, you know, with no fights, it's like that's it. You kind of have to deal with it. So it was like a lot of up and downs uh, in the regional circuit, I guess. You know, like uh, you get the wins, but then you don't know when your next fight's gonna come, if it's gonna come, even if you sign a contract. So finally, like uh, when I had an opportunity at a big show where the fights were gonna come, and I knew what was, you know, it's, it's a little more certainty there at that level. I said, yeah, for sure. But again, I didn't hold my breath with everything that was going on and everything that I knew beforehand. Things can change so quickly. So, um, you know, like a couple of weeks go by and they uh, call me and it's like, hey, uh, you're in. And I'm like, uh, in what? You know, like uh, you're in, you're in. They got you the contender series. You're going to be in it. And at first I couldn't believe it. I was like, no, you, you know, me like they got me in. the Why? You know, <laughs> and then uh, but uh, it quickly, it quickly settled in that uh, I was going to, you know, fight on TV and uh, Dana White. And uh, it was uh, it was an awesome experience. And uh, the fight didn't go the way you, you thought it was going to go. You didn't end up getting a finish. The guy that you fought, Victor Reynold, missed weight. And then yeah. uh, I, I think you had recalled that Bisping had you last on his list of people to get signed. And, and you ended up being one of two people to get signed. So you have, you have a pretty long memory in terms of people that have doubted you. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of just use that as a, as a fuel, you know. Um, I know I didn't have my best performance that night. And uh, it, was, uh, it was a tough go. 
you know, they had to switch the opponent last second. Victor, you know, the whole – that doesn't matter. I should have done better, you know. And uh, I just remember thinking that the whole time. I got to do better next time. I got to do better. And then when I saw the uh, – like, uh, like uh, Michael Bisping had me ranked last or fourth or something like that, you know, I was like, oh, man, this is uh, – I kind of blew my opportunity. So I got to get back in the gym and, and make this happen. And then, uh, uh, like, again, when it came to – when Dana White called me, it was a complete surprise on my face when uh, – and they were like, you know, the, the I think the production team was telling me, they're like, go, 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 he called you, he called you. And I was like looking around like, where do I, what? You know, and then they just kind of sent me out. So, you know, I, I think uh, I'm glad Michael Bisping is in, in, uh, in charge of the, well, who makes the UFC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially on that night. Uh, He's a nice guy, great guy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he just doesn't have as, as good of an eye for talent as Dana White does, is what you're saying. Yeah, maybe, maybe he just missed a few things, that's all, you know. <laughs> So, so here you are. You, you've done really well so far uh, in the UFC, and you've been considered one of the top prospects uh, in the division. And now you've got Santiago Ponzinibbio, a guy who I believe should be ranked. He, the only reason I think he's unranked is because uh, he had that long layoff. They pulled him from the rankings. Then he lost his comeback fight. But this is a guy that I believe is top 15 material, and uh, I, I think the, the stiffest test of your career. Tell me about how this fight came about and your thoughts on Santiago. I think, um, you know, this, it was the name that they, they gave me. And uh, we were asked for a top 15 guy. So I knew it was going to come. Someone with a bigger name was going to come. Um, I didn't think it was going to be Santiago because, uh, again, I, I didn't know if he was going to jump right back in after that, that last fight. Uh, uh, you know, again, that long layoff. But they gave me the name, and I thought that was a great opportunity to fight somebody that tough and really make my name now. Like, if everything goes well for me on Saturday, that will definitely put me up in the top 15. So, yeah, like, you're right. You're, this is the toughest guy I faced uh, rank-wise. Um, you know, but I, like uh, I was asked this before, I think um, Matt Brown kind of helped me get ready for these names. You know, I went from fighting Hector Aldana, my first fight, to fighting Matt Brown, my second fight. And it was just like, a, you know, an, open, an eye opener. Like, you're going to be fighting some of the best guys in the world, so get ready. Now, I know you're down at MMA Masters. You're training with Colby Covington, uh, who I'm sure is, is keeping your wrestling sharp. Uh, Mike Perry was there for a, a cup of coffee, but I understand things kind of went sideways there. Uh, how has this training camp been, and, and how much uh, time have you been getting with Colby? Uh, me and Colby, you know, we do a lot of drills together. Um, he's, he's just a great – you know what the thing about Colby that uh, he brings to the team is just uh, his mentality. He's always um, working, trying to get better, and uh, with, with positive with, – like, brings a positive attitude, always kind of pushing the team to get – to keep going and, and, and keep and keep chasing after it. And I've had uh, some other great teammates with, with me, uh, Anthony Rocco Martin. He's uh, been a really great uh, help to me, a great body in this, in this training camp. And I feel like everything's kind of uh, led up to this point. So I, I feel good. I didn't realize that he was, he was training there. Uh, I thought he had moved yeah. to Boston or something. But yeah, that's good to hear that he's out, out at MMA Masters now. Yeah, he's, he's with us now. All and right. there's obviously other guys like Nico Price. You know, we got a lot of guys over there that are, Right, you know, we're doing we're doing really well. We got a lot of guys from PFL, Cesar Mutante. So I feel like I got a lot of experience just uh, in the room alone. You know, I know I'm not the I'm only ten and zero, but there's guys with there with you know twenty fights, twenty five fights, and they're and they're uh, and they're helping me uh, along the way. So I really appreciate them. So when you're with Mutante, do you ever think to yourself, this guy used to be in my weight class? Yeah, it's crazy. It's insane. <laughs> like uh, like uh, now he's fighting at two hundred five. You know, in PFL and. You look at him when he walks in the gym. You're like, how? You like, where? Where? Where did? Where did your? What, did, what were you doing? You know, like, what were you doing to yourself to make to, to go to 170? If that's the case, I can make 135 tomorrow. You know, let me. You know, cut me in. What's up? You know. Yeah, Florida has two Rumble Johnsons, two guys that you, you just you just wonder how they did it. <laughs> He's one of them. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I still gotta. Ask, you know what? I'm gonna ask him when I get back. <laughs> we're gonna just ask him how he did it. Answer. 
Yeah, I'll send you the answer, man. Wait <laughs> all right. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, best of luck this weekend. Uh, all the best going forward, and uh, good luck against uh, Santiago Ponzinibbio. Appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Take care. I'm now joined by the big ticket, Walt Harris, who's moved his training camp over to Las Vegas for this fight, taking on Marcin Tybura. Uh, tell me about the move to Vegas and how it's been treating you. Uh, it's been phenomenal. Um, you know, it kind of came about because uh, I just needed to change the scenery. Um, you know, being in Birmingham is awesome, but it can be a bit of a distraction. So um, I wanted to come out to Vegas and, and team up with Eric. He's my guy, man. We've been went close for a while, so... I feel like he could guide me and uh, help me get prepared the best way possible for this fight. So that's what I did. Yeah, no, I heard you asked him if there was room for you in the camp after Francis Ngannou had won the title. And he said, not only will you train with uh, with us, but you also get to live in Francis's house. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty dope. Uh, I came out, you know, kind of, you know, on a whim, just like, uh, you know, I know a lot of people out here in Vegas, so I wasn't worried about too tough where I was going to stay. But uh, he was like, you know, Francis has a place, you know, whatever. Um, you can stay there. House it for him. He's going to Cameroon for a month. So I was like, heck yeah, man. I can have my own space and do my own thing. So I jumped at that offer for sure. Now, I heard you on the Schmozone podcast, and you told them that not only did Francis let you live in his house, he also said you could wear his clothes if you wanted to. Yeah, dude. I mean, he was like, whatever you need. He's like, uh, you know, if you need clothes, you need wrestling shoes, food, whatever. He's like, uh, my house is your house. So um, I'm forever grateful to him for that, man. He took a burden off of me for sure and allowed me to just lock in and focus on what I needed to do to be the best me uh, come Saturday night. Now, the other big ticket, of course, uh, in the sports world is Kevin Garnett, one of the best big men of that era. But I would say the best big man of that era is Tim Duncan. I saw you took a picture with, with Tim. Uh, how did you run into Tim Duncan? Um, so he was at my fight in San Antonio, um, and I was just backstage, and I spotted him from like a mile away. You know, I don't think too many fight fans in, or, you know, fighters in the back really knew. I mean, they probably knew who he was, but he was just kind of meandering around back there, and I just walked up to him. I was like, man, I'm a huge fan. Uh, you know, I used to play basketball. I followed your entire career. Uh, thank you for everything you did for the sport. And uh, he's like, let's just get a picture. So I was like, heck yeah. And he's like, great fight, man. You know, I thought that was awesome. I think I was like, when I fought Alexi, I won like 12 seconds. So he was uh, he was super impressed with it. And uh, that made me feel real good. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, hey, he's a big fundamental for a reason. He knows what he's seeing. You should invite him to come train with you. I know that he's taken up kickboxing in his retirement. Yeah, dude, I would love to train with him, man. I mean, it'd be a, a challenge to get in there and try to move around with him. He's seven feet tall. Uh, but it'd be definitely fun to kind of, you know, teach him some things and, uh, you know, get it, get around him and learn some stuff myself. Yeah, with Stefan Struve retiring, you don't get that many more opportunities like that in the UFC, unfortunately, too, to, to fight these seven-footers. Right, right. Uh, Stefan's a big dude. I'm a, I'm a fan of Stefan as well. Uh, he's a friend, so uh, hats off to him for being seven-foot and going in there and, and being a dog, man. He's still got Volkov. What, he's like 6'7", six, 6'8"? Six, six, he, he must be the tallest guy in the UFC right now, if I had to guess. Yeah, he is. Uh, he's definitely the tallest guy in the UFC, I think, right now at the moment. Uh, dude's a freaking tree trunk. Now, I saw you t took in the Devin Haney fight over the weekend. You were, uh, I, again, I, you've been enjoying the Vegas life. I saw you with Oscar De La Hoya. You were with uh, the Billy Joe Saunders team leading up to his fight. Uh, what did you think of uh, the, the Linares and Haney fight over the weekend? I thought it was awesome, man. I thought Devin Haney showed a lot of moxie. I think he shows a side of him that people were clamoring to see. 
um, you know, he's what they call in uh, boxing a cutie. You know, he's got really high, high skill level. Um, but those guys usually don't mix it up. And Devin wasn't afraid to mix it up. Um, and I was very impressed with that. Um, I thought he went in there and held his own, controlled the fight, stayed composed. Even when he got hurt, um, he, he stayed composed and held his, his uh, ground and did what he needed to do to get the win. So I thought it was a good fight. I had a great time. So for you, what's been the biggest difference between uh, training in Alabama and training in Las Vegas? Uh, again, it's a new coach, so I'm sure you're learning a lot of new tricks, a lot of bodies there. Uh, give me a, some insight on what it's like to train, I guess, at a, at a bigger gym. Um, I mean, you know, I've come from bigger gyms, but just being here in Vegas at this point in my career was about being around guys, uh, you know, my size, the bodies, and, um, you know, highly skilled guys. Um, you know, we have a good team back in Alabama, but a lot of the guys we, we have around me are very young, um, you know, so it was important to me to get out here and be tested. Um, you know, you don't want to win in the gym every day and then go into a fight with a world-class fighter. You want to go into the gym in the fight knowing you got tested in every way, shape, and form, and you're prepared on that night. So I think that's what coming to Vegas was for me. It was to push myself. And like I said earlier, I'm, I'm close with Eric, and he knows me very well. He knows how to bring out every ounce of everything I got in me. So um, I thought it was great to get out here and, uh, you know, get a change of scenery and recharge the batteries and uh, approach fighting from a different standpoint. Now, I know you ran for city council last year. Uh, you unfortunately failed at that bid. But I did see that a couple months ago, Anaya's law passed through Senate and uh, is, is looking, uh, working towards becoming official law in the state of Alabama. What did that mean to you and your yep. family? And I'm sure that that was something that uh, you would have wanted to do as a city councilor. I mean, it meant everything. Um, city, The city council bit came about kind of quick. You know, it was uh, my buddy was running for mayor and uh, he actually came by my house and was like, hey, man, why don't you take my vacant seat? And I think it was like two two weeks left in the race. And I was like, uh, OK, why not? He's like, dude, everybody already knows you like. Just go ahead and do it and see what happens. So, you know, I almost won. I think I ended up losing by like literally two votes. Um, which is crazy uh, for somebody who didn't even really try. And, uh, you know, as far as Onaya's law goes, I mean, it means the world to myself and my family. I mean, it's something we work diligently on with it, with uh, our friends in the state. Um, and it was a bipartisan effort to make sure that it got through it. I don't think there was one uh, opposition of it the whole time. The only real uh, thing that slowed it down was actually COVID. Um, so we're just we're just staying diligent on that front and making sure we keep her name, um, you know, relevant out there and make sure people never forget about her. Now, I'm getting the sense from hearing you speak about this, that when you ran for city council, because it was so quick, you didn't really have a lot of time to to prepare for it. But I imagine down the road, this is something that's probably on your mind it is giving back to your community in that way. But doing it, I guess, in a, in a bit more of a prepared fashion. A hundred percent. You know, and it's kind of a blessing in disguise that I didn't win because when I found out exactly what all that entailed, uh, it, it was crazy, man. I wouldn't have been able to focus on fighting. And I feel like I still got three or four more years left to me, uh, you know, in fighting at a high level. So um, when, I, when I'm done, uh, I'm definitely going to run again. Uh, it's something that I'm passionate about. I love my community. I love Homewood. Uh, they've been phenomenal to myself and my family. So I definitely want to help in that capacity if I can. Now, we've gone uh, over seven minutes without me asking you about your opponent, uh, Marcin Tybura. Tell me about his game and, uh, and how you think you can, uh, you can best combat him. I, he's, he's a guy that likes to take the, the fight to the ground, uh, you know, make, mm -hmm. make it a miserable three rounds for his opponent. Uh, what have you done to, to basically try to put a stop to that if he, if he tries to implement that game plan? Uh, conditioning and wrestling. 
Um, you know, that's what I've definitely focused a lot on. Um, and then just, you know, honing the things that I do extremely well, which is strike. Um, you know, I think that uh, he hasn't he hasn't faced a guy with the stand-up that I have, you know, and the athleticism that I have, the explosiveness that I have. Um, you know, he's a very, very tough guy. He loves to, you know, make the fight, like you said, ugly. Um, and he wants to try to get it to the mat as, as quick as possible because that's where he's, he's strong at. You know, he's a black belt. So um, it makes the most sense for him to try to get it to the ground. But uh, we've done everything in our, in our power to combat that. We've, we've brought in great wrestlers. I've wrestled with, you know, high-level Division One champions, um, you know, Olympic wrestlers. So we're prepared on every front to go in there and defend the takedown and make him fight where I want him to fight, which is on the feet. Seems like you're having a lot of fun right now preparing for this fight. Uh, you know, it seems like it must be, a, I guess, a bit more of a light atmosphere going into this one. Uh, how long do you plan on fighting for going forward? You kind of got a late start to your MMA career. How many more years are you hoping to do this for? It seems like, again, like you're, you're, you're still learning a lot of new things and, and really enjoying uh, the training aspect of it. And that's usually what the, the last thing is before people decide to walk away is you just don't enjoy the training aspect anymore. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm looking at like three or four more years. Uh, that's my goal. Um, when I signed, when I actually set out, started fighting, um, I went, I told myself I wanted to retire from the UFC at 40. Um, but the way I feel right now, you know, I, I feel amazing. You know, I don't have any major injuries. I, I haven't had any major injuries in my career. Um, I've been blessed not to be in any wars and fights. Um, so um, I feel like I'm not long in the tooth in that regard. Um, so I can continue to go for another three or four more years as long as that fire is still burning, which it is it's burning really bright right now. And I'm seeing growth in my game. I'm seeing growth in me as a fighter. Um, so yeah, that's the, that's the goal, you know, is to go another four more years and uh, see where it pans out, you know, and then we'll go from there. And working for a network like TSN, I get to see a lot of behind the scenes of people uh, doing panels. Usually it's about hockey, not mixed martial arts, but watching you uh, on the ESPN panel, you were really a natural. You did a great job um, and you have done a great job subsequently in, in your next showings. Is that something that you're looking to do down the line is, is become part of the ESPN, uh, again, the, I guess the panels that they do uh, on fight nights? Yeah, that would be an honor. Um, you know, definitely something that I want to dive more deeply into. Um, you know, I love being in front of the camera. Uh, it, it's fun. You know, it, it was stressful, honestly, the first time because I didn't know what I was getting into. But once I got a hold of it and learned and, you know, figured out what was going on, I, I, I fell in love with it, man. And uh, I definitely think I something that I'm interested in doing for sure when, uh, when I hang it up. At least you didn't have the same experience as Angela Hill. Her first time doing it, she was in that room with uh, Diego Sanchez's trainer. She, and she just said, oh. I, I thought this was a normal thing that happens. She, she had no idea. It was her first time ever in one of those meetings. That's brutal. Man, <laughs> I love Diego, man. I'm glad he finally parted ways with Fabio, to be honest. Uh, love Diego. So that's tough, though, man. Angela, <laughs> Angela's a beast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you're going to have too many dissenting opinions on, on that thought. Uh, well, thanks for doing this, Walt. I really appreciate it. Uh, best of luck against Marcin Tiburo this weekend. Thank you, brother. Thank you for having me. A big thank you to our guests, Tanner Bozer, Miguel Baeza, and Walt Harris for joining us on the TSN MMA show. I'll be joined by Bazooka Joe. That podcast will be going up tomorrow as we uh, discuss everything going on in the world of mixed martial arts. A lot to get to and a lot to look forward to with next week's UFC 263 card on the horizon. Some uh, big fights coming up. Of course, the rematch, two rematches uh, headlining this card, actually. You got Israel Adesonia taking on Marvin Vittori. This time there's a belt on the line. Last time a three-round fight. And we've got the rematch of the flyweight 
championship between Davis and Figueredo and Brandon Moreno. An awesome fight last year. Might have been, if not for Zhang Veili and Joanny and Jacek, the fight of the year. Definitely the fight of the year, I believe, in the men's divisions, I would have to say. An awesome, awesome bout. And uh, that will take place next weekend as well. Not to mention a five-round fight, <laughs> third from the top, between Nate Diaz and Leon Edwards. That one is going to be a fun one as well. Bilal Muhammad, Damian Maya, Jamal Hill, Paul Craig, Hakeem Dawadu back in action against Mofsar Evloev. So much to like about that card, and we'll be talking about that next week. Thanks for tuning into the interview edition of the TSN MMA Show, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.